Three Brothers, One Mike is a weekly podcast put together to help motivate and inspire our listeners both mentally and physically in the hopes of helping you be the best you. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Two Brothers, One Mike. I'm Joe, and as always, my brother, Coach Tony, is here. Tony. Joe, what's going on? T-Bomb Land, what's going on today? I've got nothing. (laughs) I've got nothing. I've got nothing. As usual. <laughs> uh, well, I uh, actually, I, I literally just, uh, I'm, in, I'm in the middle of finishing up a uh, 20-hour fast here. I just got done doing my high-intensity interval training. Um, be talking a lot about that in future shows for sure. Uh, uh, that being said, um, I'll break the fast uh, as soon as we're done with our, our show here today. Uh, so that's what I got going on in the moment. And then, uh, obviously, we have some things to talk about today. Uh, so that's what's going on in the present. But um, before we begin today's show, I want to I want to talk about another feel good story, uh, if I could, uh, to start today's uh, show out. And it's it's a feel good story. We've told several of them already on Two Brothers One Mike. But uh, this one obviously somewhat sad as well. But uh, definitely points out the human spirit, which is something we need to do more often. I think. Um, you know, faith in the human spirit prevails here once again, if you ask me. So the story basically is about – now, this happened probably about eight and a half years ago, uh, June of – I think it was 2012, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, if anybody remembers this story, it was about a 12-year-old boy named Cody Green. Cody was a fifth grader, uh, mm. lived in Indiana, and uh, he was a diehard admirer of the United States Marine Corps. Um, here's the unfortunate part you might say, or you would say, actually, uh, the good part is he battled and beat leukemia, not once, not twice, but three times over a lengthy period of time, over years, uh, a courageous battle. Anybody would tell you who was there to witness this battle, uh, which is something to say for a 12 year old boy. And even younger, when you think about it, if he's been battling it for years at that point, uh, you know, upon hearing this story. The Marine Corps made Cody an honorary member of the Corps, but that that wasn't enough. Upon hearing that Cody was not going to win his last battle with the cancer that he had, U.S. Marine Sergeant Mark Delfini got in his car and drove over to Riley Children's Hospital, where where Cody was, where Cody Green was at. And in full dress, Sergeant Delfini stood guard outside young Cody Green's room all night for eight hours or more the night before the young man passed away. Now, you know, say, say what you want, folks, about the human spirit, given whatever you want to point out and whatever you want to argue about on social media right now these days. But the human spirit does live on. I don't care if it was nine years ago. I guarantee you these kind of stories are happening today, too. You have to choose to talk about them, though. That's that's the thing. And I think this was definitely uh, a feel-good story and for sure something that will, uh, you know, Cody Green's spirit will always live on. And God bless Sergeant Mark Delfini for sure. Yeah, you know what, too, um, in looking into, you know, uh, the story as well, I always try to get a little extra, some extra tidbits on different things whenever you bring up a, a story like this. Um mm. Yeah, they uh, the Marine Corps decided that because of Cody's strength and honor, he should be made an honorary Marine. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, and as you had mentioned, uh, Sergeant Dolphini was the Marine who was uh, who stood by, stood guard over him. Um, mm-hmm. He actually presented Cody with his navigator wings before departing from his eight-hour watch. Yeah, um, and he went on to say that that wasn't the hardest, but the hardest part wasn't standing guard, but rather when he returned, he actually returned for Cody's funeral a couple of days later, where he saluted the young man's casket, of course, and then. When he moved on, he saluted both of the parents, and there was this one point where he kind of locked gaze with with the boy's mother, and yes. just kind of kind of fill her pain. And he said that was actually the hardest part. But also, and this is you know this always stands true, and this is what what makes it such an honorable honorable um, uh, uh, position, you know, to be in the any really any um, armed force. Uh, when he was interviewed, he mentioned you know the Marines do not join the Corps for fame. Uh, but if we all did something, even something small, think about the incredible legacy it would leave for Cody. Uh, that yeah. was a direct quote from him. So, yeah, definitely good stuff, T. Definitely yeah. good stuff. Yeah, it definitely so, was. Okay, so uh, for those of you who need the moment, uh, <laughs> deep yeah. breaths. Yeah. Uh, and this seems like it would be a perfect time to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor before moving on with our show where we're going to discuss not just what to eat before you fast, but also why. See you in less than a minute. So we've talked all about IF or intermittent fasting in past shows and how those who practice this lifestyle are able to gain direct access to fat and burning it for energy instead of glucose, which is a byproduct of carbohydrates. This is all done through time-delayed eating, where our bodies use up all of the glycogen needed for voluntary movement, such as walking, jogging, or even doing chores around the house. Because we aren't eating for a period of time, the glycogen stores go away, and now our body resorts to a much cleaner and efficient source of fuel, fat. Well, actually, ketones. Yep, you heard it right. When our body starts burning fat, it's actually going through the process of ketosis, but more on this later. But keep it in mind. Not only is this a great source of fuel for the body, it's also a great way to lose weight since, of course, you're burning fat. But this brings to question a couple of things. One, you're about to start a fast. Is or are there certain foods you should avoid? And two, you've just broken your fast. Can you just eat anything? No. (laughs) Well, your fast (laughs) is over. So, you know, I mean... No, no, the answer is no, that'll be the short answer. So but we're going to start with question one, though. Let's start with one. We know we have to deplete all the glycogen before our insulin drops. That's what allows us access to the fat stores for energy. If our last meal before a fast is carb heavy, it's going to take longer for our bodies to switch over to fat burning mode. Besides the obvious, here's something else to think about. Earlier, I mentioned how our body has to use up glucose for voluntary movement, like walking and et cetera. But when your body is in fat burning mode, it also needs fuel for involuntary functions as well. Mm. Breathing, your heart beating are good examples. Remember BMR, basal metabolic rate? We talked about that as well in a previous show when we discussed how the body uses calories. And remember, calories are units of energy to perform different activities. A couple I've just mentioned, such as breathing and so on. So what does this mean? Well, if you consume less carbs in your final meal before a fast, you'll enter fat-burning mode quicker and start reaping the rewards by simply breathing and staying alive. Again, BMR, by definition, is the smallest amount of calories needed to stay alive. Mm -hmm. Now, does this mean you can literally lose weight by doing nothing? No exercise? Yes. Yes, you can. And for those who are morbidly obese and or suffer from joint pain, this might be a great place to begin. Yes. 
also, we've talked about autophagy as well. The sooner your body is depleted of glycogen, the sooner you can enter into this cellular rejuvenation process, allowing your body to dispose of damaged cells. The same ones linked to various diseases, such as certain types of cancers, Alzheimer's disease. So will IF essentially cure or treat any of these diseases? Absolutely, positively, without a doubt, I can say I have no idea. No, uh, I do know it has been proven through various testing that it can help prevent them, though. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I do not believe any test has been shown to, show, to, to cure them. So keep your meals carb light when they are the last before a fast. Well, you know, I don't want to cut you off here. Can I, can I say a few things real quick? No, absolutely not. Yeah, I, and you were making some good points, so I don't want to interrupt you. But then I, I, I caught a pause there, so I wanted to grab a hold of that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, when we talk about autophagy and the possibilities that you mentioned about when it comes to the curing of metabolic disease, autophagy has been studied for some time now, but not long enough to figure that whole thing out. Right. Um, it is going in the direction where it can be proven that the percentages can be lowered significantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the so good point to make there is that we do not know, um, but we are definitely heading in that direction. Uh, and, um, Hats off to the scientists and the doctors who continue to to push for uh, figuring that out because sure. that that would be a fantastic thing. I don't think anybody would argue that point. Right, um, and, and it's worth mentioning again. Remember, there was a Nobel Peace Prize already um, uh, given to. Do you remember the gentleman's name? Do, do you I, know? For, I, the first time we brought it up a few shows back, I couldn't remember his name. Then we got, we had his name, and it was in 2016, and yeah. we said his name, and now here we are a few shows later, and I can't remember his name again. It might have actually been 17. I, I'm not yeah. even sure on the year. But... I could tell you who discovered calories, Antoine Lavogere. <laughs> Lavogere, yeah, yeah, I remember yeah, but that. I can't, That's I forever, can't, yeah. That one is forever embedded in our in our brains. In our brains uh, yes. <laughs> but yeah. as far as uh, um, you know, autophagy, it's ob- already been studied in great length. So it's not to yes. say, well, they're still studying it. They still don't know anything. No, they know quite a bit to a point where, uh, you know, a, a, a Nobel Peace Prize was actually uh, uh, given. given out for, yeah. you know, so, you know, that's, that's, that doesn't just, come in a Cracker Jack box, folks. I mean, right. Ex- exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, so it's just yeah. to say that there's still, of course, there's still plenty of research, still researching yeah. plenty of research. Yes. But, uh, and so that was one thing I wanted to point out. Here's another thing. Um, two words. When it comes to preparing to fast Mm -hmm. as you are consuming pretty much the last thing before you begin your fast. Mm -hmm. So the last thing you're going to consume, put in your body before you begin your fasting period, whatever that might be, 16 hours, 18 hours, 14 hours, whatever it's going to be. Two words, fat, protein. So now you guys heard Joe talk about, and, and we've mentioned this several times now, and we're going to continue to mention it. We begin to burn body stored fat or stored body fat, I should say, as our primary source of energy once we have depleted what? Our glucose levels and our glycogen stores. And again, we know the body still continues glucose production as it is a necessity. But as I've said before, as we've said before, probably a million times now, it's not producing glucose the way we have given our Western-style type of eating diet that we're on now here for the last what 45 years right right so and and you know it's uh, again also worth mentioning uh when we're talking when we're talking fat 
please know we're talking about like healthy fats, good fats. You're looking at like avocado oils, avocados, olive oils. Um, there's non-processed cheeses, uh, you know, things, things of that nature. We're not talking about, you know, a greasy uh, Whopper with, with cheese. Okay. No. And I'm going to um, touch on that too, by the way, but go right, ahead. right. Yeah. We're, we're, we're definitely talking about the healthy fats. Um, but if you recall, while we're talking about fat, fat mm. contains more calories than protein and carbs combined. And that's going to result in that, f- that fulfilling or that feeling of being satiated mm-hmm. and, and, Props to me because I finally got the word right. I keep wanting to say it's saturated, rough, the, uh, satiated. I'm going to tell you right now, that's one of the roughest words in the English language because you look at the T and you got you have to remember to make it an SH. It, it's not just that. You think saturated because you're full, right? right? So you're right. Satiated. satiated. And that's going to help in dealing with hunger pains for the rest of the evening, right? Because this is your last meal. Right. Uh, and perhaps or, into the next morning. Depending yeah. on where your final meal is scheduled, right, that's right. really what it's all about. Yeah, and when we talk more about how you know your lifestyle is going to determine when your last meal is eaten, some people's right. last meal is eaten in the morning, yeah. uh, and they fast all day. People on uh, midnights, people on midnights, yeah. they're they're just upside down and backwards. Right, they, they don't right, have a clue. <laughs> right. So I mean, so everybody's fasting window is going to be different when they start, when they end, so on and so forth. Sure. Um, so as we approach the beginning of the fast, you know, you want the insulin levels already dropping. You kind of talked about how counterproductive it would be right. with a carb-heavy uh, meal right before you go on your fast. Right. You, you, want them, you want them dropping as early as possible into your fast so that you're burning that secondary fat for energy purposes. And now here's my ADD kicking in as we could go to another word. You know what I noticed, ladies and gentlemen? Um, I listen to every one of our shows after they've aired. I think we've had – at this point, you don't realize this, but we do because we're ahead of the game in our <laughs> right, shows. Right. We've had four shows air at this point, even though at this point, this is like the 11th one you're listening to. Right. So – in those four, I've listened to each one two times for a lot of different reasons. One is to pick up on things that we're saying and see what we can make better, what you know, and so on and so forth. I noticed in the first four shows, I said secondary as secondary like 15 times. I don't know why I kept saying secondary, but it was driving me nuts. So I apologize if you didn't know what in the world I was talking about when I kept saying secondary. It is secondary. That is a, an error on my part. So now that the ADD has gone away, let me continue. When you're burning that secondary fat for energy purposes, for everyday functions, if you're doing, you know, let's, let's give an example. If you're doing an 18-6 fasting regimen, so 18 hours of no eating followed by a six-hour eating window, and you finish up at eight o'clock at night and you're getting ready to do the 18 hours. If you do what we're talking about in terms of sticking with essential fats and clean proteins, you're going to get into that fasting window and you're going to be done burning glucose and glycogen stores and burning stored body fat quicker, sometimes even two to three hours into your, to your fast rather than eating a carb, heavy meal where it may take up to eight or nine hours before you begin burning stored body fat, sometimes even more. So yeah. half your fast is already gone before you even get to burn stored body fat. So yeah. you're kind of counterproductive there. And, and here's what's crazy. How many people want to be able to lose weight without do, with doing nothing? You could yeah. literally sleep 
and lose and, and burn fat. I don't right. want to say lose weight, but you can literally sleep and burn fat. Yeah, I mean, you want you want your body to function while you're resting by burning stored body fat, not by burning mm-hmm. glucose. Uh, it's just it's 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 not rocket science. I mean, really, when you think about it, no. um, you know. So so that being said. Here's why you end your day going into the beginning of your fast with fat and protein. Let's get a little more further into it. Although, or should I say, here's, here's what you end it with and why. We're talking about healthy fats. Joe started mentioning some of them. Some, some of them. He said, um, uh, what were some of them that you said? You said avocados. Uh, avocados and, and uh, well, avocado oil. Yeah, yeah. So avocados, avocado oil, olives, extra virgin olive oil, walnuts, almonds, coconut oil. These are these are the fats we're talking about that help you feel satiated. There it is. Uh, and, and other things as well, not just feeling full, but it helps with brain function. It helps with your nervous system. It helps with hormonal development, blood vessels. And, you know, the list goes on and it, it, they're all extremely important. But, you know, here's here's even a bigger reason, and, and we just mentioned this earlier. It doesn't spike your insulin levels. Mm-hmm. Fat consumption doesn't really cause a major spike in insulin levels in your body. So, therefore, you get to that stored body fat a lot quicker. You get to that freezer downstairs quicker because you are not consuming heavy carbs right before you go into your fast where your body has to go ahead and burn all of that out of the refrigerator that can take hours and hours before it gets mm-hmm. to that key to open the door to get to the freezer so again essential fats try to load up with those before you begin your fast and what was the second word we said proteins now clean proteins are fantastic here and when we say clean proteins you know we're talking about grass-fed grass-finished people always ask me what in the world are you talking about (laughs) they've heard of grass-fed but they're like what is this grass-finished very hard to find, let me be honest with you right now. Grass-fed is obviously when the animal that you're consuming was eating grass as their diet. Their whole diet was on grass, which is what you want, okay? It's the natural process in their body. It's a clean eating style process for the animal, for a cow, for a chicken. Grass-finished means that they actually finished before they went down death row, Uh, they, they finished the farmers finished them with grass. Whereas some farmers tend to do something a little different and they start feeding them grain. And the reason why this is done and this practice is done is because they want to fatten the animal up more meat, more meat, you know, you, 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 you do the math as to what the whole process is and why. I'm sorry. And and the thing is too, we're not talking about more meat. Really. What it is, is let's face it. They get paid by the pound. It's more fat. Uh, you, you know what I mean? So, you, you know, go. the actual meat part would be great if they, if yeah. that was, but they have a different way of doing that. That's a good we'll point. We'll talk you about make. that later, but mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> nonetheless. No, that is an absolute great interjection right there to clarify what it was I was talking about. So, so you know, and that being said, um, so you, if you could find grass-fed, grass-finished, I mean, that's, that's, that's outstanding. Uh, Organic, here, I'll, no HMOs. I'll throw it there. Oh, go ahead. Sure, I'll throw it out there. Um, it makes me wish I still had a subscription and, and a code to give, but uh, ButcherBox. I knew you were going to say that. I was going to yeah. say it. And I said, what if I say it? It's not what he's going to say. Yeah, I go, no, it's yeah. ButcherBox. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, they definitely do that. That's that's where you're going to go usually. You're not going to find it at – I have not find, found that at any of your food chain grocery stores. I have no. like Aldi's. I, I've never found that. So, 
So, you know, we're talking about, you know, clean, organic, no HMOs. Um, We want our chickens to be, as Sebastian Maniscalco uh, always (laughs) says, the comedian, we want our chickens to play nice with each other. Uh, We do not want them to be caged up. We want them to be stress-free. And there's a lot of good reasons for that. So if you could find the cleanest protein, that's great. But, uh, uh, you know, again, protein also makes you feel satiated. Filling fuller longer is what you want. You're going into a fast. You're not going to eat for quite some time. And although your body eventually teaches you how it's no big deal to you anymore, I'm, I'm living proof of this. Yep. Uh, so is Joe. Uh, it's also nice not to feel hungry uh, in the beginning when you first start doing this. Yep. So there's, there is, uh, you know, a trick so to speak, in, in terms of uh, staying satiated, feeling full. You know, so, but to be honest with you, regardless of the source of protein, even pork, even though when you talk about bacon, I'd rather you had bacon or sausage rather than candy bars yeah. uh, and baked potatoes before, right. before you break your fast or before you go into your fast, I should say, before you start your fast. Uh, so there's that. So we're talking about fats. We're talking about proteins. Let me throw this in there also. Another another device to use before you're going into your fast. We're going to have an entire show on this mineral because it's the most important mineral you're going to put in your body. H2O, water. And there's a lot of reasons why water is important and why you should go ahead and stock up on it. All right, whether it's two, three, four, eight ounce glasses of water, a couple hours leading into your fast, uh, or, or however you're going to do it, but... The, the reason why is not only does it help to prevent dizziness and fatigue and nausea, uh, it also helps you to feel fuller, more satiated during your fasting window, okay? So uh, that that you have to understand, people say, no, it makes you less thirsty. It also makes you less hungry. Uh, that's an absolute <laughs> – that is absolutely true. Yeah, so why not put the most important mineral in your body times three – and not only have something that's healthy for you, but something that also helps you feel more satiated for whatever length of time that that fasting window is going to go for. So, yeah. and if I could see if you're just go ahead, let me know when you're done with this point. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, good, good. Okay, so listen, uh, a couple things when it comes to that water. First of all, I've talked in the ba- in the past about alternate, um, you know, alternate uh, uh, flavored water. Right, mm-hmm. um, doesn't count here. You, you have to go with straight water. Yes. There's certain things in the flavored water that will actually uh, can create a, an insulin spike. Um, so we just sort of have to put on our big boy pants and drink the plain water. Uh, it's hard for me too, I know. But um, another good uh, tip for that, um, I find the bigger the bottle, the easier it is to get all of your water in. Mm-hmm. Um, I drink a 34-ounce bottle of water, uh, two of those, and I've already got 64 in. There's your eight. There's your your you know, traditional eight hour or sorry, eight ounce, eight, eight, eight ounces. Yeah. yeah. Eight, eight, eight ounce cups of water per day. That's one, that's one rule option you can go by, which we're going to talk about that. In right. Show. Right. Yeah. No yeah. doubt. But uh, again, it's, and then it's already in, right. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just, you know, a few ways to go about doing that, but just bear in mind, um, the only thing that they really will recommend if you have to have some sort of flavor to your water, lemon, 
and and that's sure. uh, that's pretty much or even it was orange another one time or was it just lemon i, I believe lemon. I, I, the only thing i've ever seen ever heard ever read is lemon being okay during a fasting period yeah if it's absolutely necessary because again i know and trust me i revert to a four-year-old when it comes to drinking my water i've got to have flavor in it yeah um, folks you, you know, want you so. want the easiest way you want the easiest way to make sure you don't break your fast during that drink water yeah, yeah, just drink water. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and again, that's why I said it's it's it stinks. You know, that's that's just like, and you'll hear us talk about uh, coffee is another thing that really helps uh, stave off the hunger. Okay, uh, but true. it's but it's black coffee. It's black coffee. We're not it's talking creamer. No stevia. No truvia. No nothing. Black coffee. And I also despise black coffee. It's like I don't. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I I cannot stand it. But I I. It doesn't me me putting Splenda in my coffee or Truvia, whatever it may be, um, doesn't outweigh the benefits of just having a couple of black coffees on a fast day. So yeah. you know, it's just a matter of the, the way you look at it, I guess. Right. So I mean, on a fast day, and, and we don't want to get too too far into this rabbit hole because mm-hmm. we're going to do all kind of talking about it. But even I, folks, like a little bit of sweet coffee here and there. So uh, on a non fast day, I may or may not because I like black coffee. So I'm lucky in that aspect. But if I didn't, I, I, I get it. Uh, on my non-fast days, I I, I do uh, I, I like stevia or uh, monk fruit. Yeah. Um, uh, those are two sweeteners that uh, you can use on your non-fast days for your coffee. And again, we'll talk more about that in another show. Um, yeah. But I want to throw one hack at you. I'm going to give you a carb that I'm okay with you eating in moderation. One carb. Before you go into your fast, and there's two reasons why I'm okay with this carb, but you're going to prepare it the way I tell you to. A sweet potato. If you're getting ready to go into a fast and you want a carb, I'm okay with the sweet potato. But do we remember talking about glycemic index and glycemic load? This is why it's important to listen to these shows in order. So the glycemic index of a sweet potato is not that bad when boiled. There is a difference. You, the way you cook your food changes the way mm-hmm. that particular food is in terms of how it raises your, your sugar, your insulin levels in your body, or how quickly it will do that. So the number on that chart will elevate quickly. I believe a baked sweet potato can go up as high as 94. Now that's for a 50 gram sweet potato. But if you cut that sweet potato in half and boil it, and you look at the glycemic load, the glycemic load's only 11. Remember we talked about with 11? That's moderate. Yeah. And it's only 46, which is relatively low on the glycemic index. So a half a sweet potato boiled, if you guys are craving something carbohydrate, I'm okay with that every now and then before you go into your fast. And here's another, a nice little extra to that, a little bit of uh, curry gold butter okay. because, because of fat. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you stuck with that, like that, well, swerve uh, there, there's there are variations of brown sugar that you could find that actually are. Uh, what is it? Erythritol? Erythritol. Uh, that's actually yeah, erythritol. That, that's the third sugar that is OK with me. Stevia. Yeah. Monk fruit and erythritol. Yes. And so you could literally make a semi baked sweet potato. Yeah. Uh, but there's ways to doctor it up. And it wouldn't, it, you would not be undoing anything for yourself. Uh, does it taste as good as that one from the oven? No, but it, it's it's still very delicious. It's still very edible. And you're really doing yourself a, a great justice in doing it 
a different way. You don't have to well, go without is the point. Yeah. And let me let me just say this real quick, and I'm going to turn our, our mic over to you uh, real quick. But, uh, folks, do you remember when we were growing up, those of you who are, you know, our age or within 10 years of us, and there might be some of you who are, you know, listening to us or you're teenagers, and that's great. Mm-hmm. But as you get older, your taste buds, they, they change. You couldn't get me to eat roast beef. My mother's probably laughing right now if she's listening to this. <laughs> I would I, – I was – I had every trick in the book down, chewing, grab the napkin, act like you're wiping your mouth. I probably had a good half a pound of roast beef in the napkin. We had two dogs. They lived on roast beef. Let me tell you that right now. I would rather eat two pieces of cake than roast beef any day of the week. My taste buds changed as I got older. I'd rather have a great roast beef, sweet potato, and asparagus meal over cake and ice cream most days of the week. I'm not going to say every day of the week. Most days of the week. Your taste buds change. You have to allow yourself to try things as an adult now under that same that, that same rule of thumb. You may think you don't like something or you may acquire a taste for it. I did not like black coffee. Now it doesn't bother me. And every now and then I throw some stevia in my coffee. And guess what else I had last week? I had a French vanilla cool latte with, I don't know, give me a Starbucks coffee. And I, that's what I had. I don't know what I ordered from the menu. And I drank it. It's the first time I had a Starbucks in a long time. But so every now and then I do that. But, but for the most part, try these things out that we're telling you, try to develop a taste, acquire a taste for it, because down the road, if you do, it makes it so much easier. And then you have your cheat days on your cheat days. I call them cheat hours, by the way. That's a different show. But Joe, over to you now. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and, and again, just to reiterate, he doesn't do that on his on the days he's fasting. Again, no, absolutely it's not. Coffee. It's black coffee only. No sweeteners nope. or nope. anything like that in, in, in your coffee that day. But um Okay, so I think we've 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 adequately addressed question number one. Yes. So let's move on to number two. Can you eat just about anything after you've completed a fast? And we've already answered this, but again, short answer, no, no, you cannot. Mm. Okay, listen, if you're a calorie counter, you'll find it not so easy to go over whatever limit you've set for your daily calorie intake. You but it's, it's almost impossible. It, it literally it's, is almost impossible. Well, and that's what I'm saying, but that is a resounding, but we talked about this. And so a little reminder that all calories are not created equal. You want to try to stick with whole foods here. And again, just being very transparent with everyone. Do I butt up my fast to the weekend, Friday nights to be specific? Mm. Oh, absolutely. Now for the same reason, every Friday, no, I'm just more prone to having an adult beverage or three that day, (laughs) or perhaps an extra slice of pizza. But that's my journey though. You do you. So all of that said, there is a routine I do practice when starting and breaking the fast. Before I get into that, though, I wanted to just uh, also mention, you know, again, like I said, all calories are not created equal. Can you go over? Is it easy? Yeah, it's easy if you, and I always use pizza and cake because those are my, those are my kryptonite. Okay. But I could show you how easy it is to go over your calories for the day. Um, you know, but the point is, is if you're keeping in with whole foods, like I just said, it actually is very difficult to do. Um, I've broken my fast today. I did an 18 hour. Um, and because I've kept it that way, I'm still, I still have 800 calories to play with like 820 and I'm not hungry. So whatever, you know, which is why, which is why you really don't even need to count the calories, but no, 
Yeah, yeah, you really don't. It's but a good example, though. One of the reasons why I do that, I also um, I also keep track of my macros. We'll be getting into that when we talk about keto in the next show. But right. enough of that. So my routine. I work out the last hour of my fast. My fasts always end on the days I'll be doing cardio. Because if you think about it, if you fast for, say, let's say 14 hours mm-hmm. and you work out in the 13th hour, all your glycogen's probably been gone hours ago. And now your cardio is only using one thing for energy, stored fat. By the way, remember when I said, you know, here I said 14 hours, that was just an example. If you can recall, I suggested starting at 10 hours, and that does include your sleep. Don't forget, your sleep time is included in your fasting time. And then gradually adding on to that. You know, Tony was talking about 18 hours. I did an 18 hour as well. You know, it may sound crazy to you at this point. Just start at 10 and let's see if you even need to be there. You may not even need to do that much. No, no, no. Everybody's different. Everybody's different. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't break my fast with food either. Instead, I take a recovery drink or like a supplement that contains amino acids. Understand that your body is a sponge at this point. Your cells will take in easily any nutrients you eat or drink. A protein shake is also good here as well. And why liquid? Well, your stomach needs time to get ready for food again. In 20 minutes from this point, I'll eat my break fast, mm. okay? This is usually around 12, 30, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. I'm breaking my fast. That's literally where the word came from, break, breakfast. Um, but that's when I'll eat my break fast. Yeah. And all of that to say when you break your fast, clean carbs and protein are the best bet. Your stomach isn't going to fare very well with high fatty foods after being empty for a prolonged amount of time. Right. You may want to give it a few hours before you partake in these types of foods. Right. Right. For, uh, uh, folks, sometimes you're, you'll hear Joe talking and you'll hear me under my breath saying yes and right. It's because I'm listening to what he's saying and I, I and we're on the same page. So like I, I know I, I, it's almost like um, it's almost like when you're in church and, and, and the pastor is saying something, the priest is saying something and you are you 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 totally understand where they're coming from and you kind of mm-hmm. you, so there's mm-hmm. a lot of energy when he's talking Preach. i want to mm-hmm. yeah 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah 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 so that's that's that so Come i on. apologize if you hear me but uh that's just another habit of mine um, coach yeah yeah <laughs> okay go ahead yeah brief brother but um here's what is here's what's great about this all right we talk about how there is no one right way or one perfect way to change your eating lifestyle. You you experiment and you find what works for you. We've already said that in this show and, Mm -hmm. and, and many other shows, and it helps you to reach the ultimate goals of more energy, clothes fitting better, more mental clarity, better results from a metabolic health standpoint. And obviously important, but not the most important one, but simply a byproduct weight loss. And, and, and I say that because I'm going to tell you how I break a fast, and it's somewhat the same and a whole lot different as well, which makes neither of us right or wrong. It's just we go off the, we go off the same blueprint. We're giving you a blueprint, and then you're going to take that blueprint, and you're going to match it up to your metabolic functions, to your genetics, to how your body hormonally adapts to what you're doing. And you're going to figure out a way to make that blueprint work for you. And, and yeah. that's that's how that works. So, And, and, and I'm sorry, Tony, and no, we're saying figure out because I know a lot of people are like, well, that's why I'm listening to you. No, no. Well, we're saying you're going to figure it out. Like 
it comes naturally. Like you will, you will naturally figure out. It's not something that you have to sit there and decide. Well, what should I do, or how do I do this, or no? Well, me, you'll, look, your body, you, you'll, you'll, for the most part, it's something that will come naturally when you eat. How long you can go without eating, things of that nature. Well, look, look, Joe, let, let me let me just give this as an example. Tell me if I'm right or wrong. Sure, folks. Joe's not an exercise science major. Uh, Joe is Joe does not have a degree in exercise science, nor does he have certifications in exercise science. Joe doesn't right. even have a degree. <laughs> Joe, 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 if you need to know anything in the world of technology, Joe's the guy you go to. Editing, yeah. edit, whatever you want. That's what he does. That's his business. Yeah. The reason why Joe knows everything he's talking about to you is because Joe sat down with me at times. Joe sat down with his wife, Cindy, at times and got all this information. And then Joe went and did all this research on Joe's own time and everything he's talking about, this is major research on his part. So he's an individual who's bringing to you what he learned. And the reason why, one of the reasons, there's a lot of reasons why, but, 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 but the, one of the biggest reasons why is we want to show you that you also could do exactly what he's doing. He is telling you information that he knows now because he has learned how to do this on his own. And, and so he's bringing to you his journey. Folks. This is, you know, you have an opportunity here to understand as as uh, we almost, what were we going to call this show at one time? The Average? The Average Joe. The Average, the average Joe. Joe. And yeah. we, we went a different route. Uh, and, and, and that's the whole thing. Um, and so you have to understand what he's telling you, he's bringing to you from everything he's learned over the past couple of years. And you can do the same. You can do the same exact thing. You don't even have to go as in detail as Joe did. Uh, or as in detail as he does go, um, you, you can just pick up what we're saying and just apply the little things and still come out great. He just is very, he's very interested in this stuff and he really has gone deep into the research now. So, or, or has for quite some time. Um, so, so you have to understand that fair enough. Is that fair enough? Or did I, or, or no? No, no, absolutely. I, you know, we were yeah. just talking the other day with a uh, uh, big surprise that we're going to be having a, uh, uh, somebody who we're going to be interviewing soon. And we, we had some discussion yesterday on what we're going to be talking about. And I'd mentioned there, you know, it's always better to learn from somebody else's experience. You know, that, that yeah. way you don't you don't really have a whole whole bunch of stake in the game uh, if things don't work out. You could figure it out, though, for yourself. It's always better to learn from someone else's experiences. That's all right. But, you know, and, and that being said, great, great point there. Uh, let me tell you what I do. OK, so like Joe, I work out the hour before I break my fast. It actually just happened. Um, and, and like Joe, I do cardio, uh, but I always do it in the form of high intensity interval training hit which we're going to talk about in one of our exercise shows. Uh, it, it's going to be a great show and a game changer for many of you as far as exercise goes. It's more anaerobic. I'm throwing some big words. Some of you know that word. Some of you are like, what? It's more anaerobic with benefits of aerobic. These are all things we're going to talk about, okay? <laughs> and, and that's all I'm saying about that for now. I'm going to leave that right there. It's like a teaser. Uh, you know what I mean? It's like a teaser. So I, I do this. For the same reason Joe mentioned, I am 20 plus hours into my fast. Folks, I do a 20-hour fast every third day of the week, actually 18 to 22 hours. 
wherever it falls. Some days it falls at 19 and a half. Some days it falls at 21 hours, one minute and 32 seconds. But anywhere in there, depending on what my life is that day and what I have to get done, I make sure I fast for at least 18, no more than 22. So I'm burning secondary storage fat like a maniac at the end of a fast. And hell, why not add HIIT training for 20 minutes to really make an impact? So that's what I do in that that particular situation. Joe doesn't break his fast with food. He does break it with amino acids, which so do I. And that's a great choice for a lot of reasons. And a protein drink, way isolate, I'm hoping. Uh, More on that in our concentration on protein show. There's a formula there, and there's a reason, you know, why whey isolate is more, you know, is better than <laughs> whey concentrate and so on and so forth. So, so the the drink and the amino acids, both we both do that same time. So, you see, let me tell you this: I'm, I'm considered old, whatever, <laughs> right? So, old folks, if you're out there, we have this thing that starts happening called atrophy within the muscles in which which our body begins what we call a catabolic process and our muscle fiber begins to deteriorate for a lot of different enzymatic reasons enzymatic processes that are taking place when we when we fast we have to pay attention to this particular process even though human growth hormone begins being created if you recall times 5 again another reason why it's important to listen to these shows in order. So human growth hormone could be uh, being created, like I said, we talked about this in a, in a former show, times five, depending on the length of your fast. So, you know, let, let's call it an insurance net. I want to see you eating 30 to 35% of your body weight in clean proteins to break your fast. Now, let me, let, me exp- let me expand on this real quick. Mm-hmm. If you're 180 pounds, which is what I am, and you're somebody my age, so younger people, it's okay to go a little bit lower, you know, 20 to 25% of your body weight. For me, it's, it's every bit of 30 to 35%. So at 180 pounds, I'm always taking in about 35% of my body weight in grams of protein, which comes out to 35% of 180. I'm somewhere between 62 and 70 grams of protein. That's what I take in when I break my fast. That is my very first quote unquote meal to break my fast. Mm-hmm. Clean proteins, period. Not fats, not carbohydrates, clean proteins to the tune of some 62 to 70 grams of protein. So, uh, any questions on that? Please let us know. We're going to expand on that in future shows also. Uh, and then I, I want to make one more point here to, to your point number three. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I agree 100% with your third point when you mentioned uh, clean food intake. Right. So some of you are saying, oh, my God, he said he said eat carbs to break your fast. <laughs> shame, shame, Joe. You know, right. uh, folks, we are not anti-carbohydrate here on T-bomb land. We're not anti-carbohydrate. Write that down. Write that down so that you have that in front of you after every show. So here's one example. If you are OMAD, if you are one meal a day, if that's what you do, uh, you're going to take in carbohydrates at some point during that meal. So yeah. that and that's considered your fast-breaking meal. So, I mean, if it's only one meal a day and you're eating some complex carbohydrate with that meal, then obviously we're okay with that. 
Listen, he didn't say eat cake. Of course, you, you're talking about non-starchy foods. And we stay away from, you know, things like, well, you know, nuts and seeds, raw veggies as we break the fast as well. Too hard on the digestive tract after it's been relaxing. Joe touched on this a little bit in his point. So you have to watch because our stomachs, are our digestive tract is not ready to handle foods like that when it comes to breaking the fast and, and you know, beginning that process, the digestive process. So, you know, our, our digestive system has been taking some time off. Uh, it's, it's relaxing and enjoying some time off, I should say, so to speak. Yeah. And I think a lot of times it's, it's kind of a, um, people misconsider that they just figure, well, I'm breaking a fast with healthy food. We're talking about, you know, something that's like very, uh, uh, strong, you know, for you to digest. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that's just something to consider. Uh, it's different when, when you're breaking a fast as opposed to when you're just, just eating healthy. Mm -hmm. Okay. They're, they're two different things. Right. But all right. So, Hey, time for a quick break. We'll be back with an intro to the ketogenic diet and a summary of today's show. So stay here. We know there is so much talk about keto and the ketogenic diet. I mean, you can't scroll down any social media timeline without seeing some post about something or another that will either boost or prevent you from breaking ketosis. I know it's the big buzzword of the past few years now and often thought of as a fat diet. But the truth is keto or the ketogenic diet has been around for decades now. Really, if you give it some thought, at any point in time, our ancestors had to go long periods of time without eating due to lack of food. They were going through ketosis. Remember what I said earlier? The process our bodies of our bodies using fat for energy is ketosis. It's the changing of fat into what are called ketones. Now, according to the National Library of Medicine, the ketogenic diet was actually introduced by modern physicians as a treatment for epilepsy mm -hmm. in children in the 1920s. For two decades, this therapy was widely used, but with the modern era of anti-epileptic drug treatment, its use declined dramatically. By the end of the 20th century, this therapy was available in only a small number of children's hospitals. But over the past 15 years now, there has been an explosion in the use and scientific interest in the keto diet. Tony, maybe you have something else uh, or some thoughts to give more on the, uh, you know, on keto itself. From an, from an introductory standpoint, uh, and we're actually diving into it a little deeper too, but we're really going to get into it in the next show. And folks, let me tell you this right now, for those of you who think we're just going to sit here and promote it, we're going to tell you the, the good part of it, and we're going to tell you what we don't like about it as well. Uh, so, so keep that in mind. Yeah, uh, in fact, I'm actually going to give, and, and this is not to, again, it's the same thing, not to deter anyone. If this is something that you think is going to work for you, that you can make work for you, it's awesome. Um, I, I, I'm going to give you every reason why I don't do it. Yeah. And it's not, and it's not that it's bad for you. I'm no, not gonna say no, no, that. no, no, no. Yeah. So we'll just, and, and we'll, we'll touch on that more in the next show, but yeah. go ahead. Yeah. We're definitely going to touch on basically why it works for some, but not for others. Okay, so let me let me touch on this uh, as well now as far as uh, introducing it uh, to everybody in, in T-Bomb land. You are indeed correct well, when it comes to our ancestors and how they lived. Folks, there were no processed foods in boxes. There were no macaroni and cheese and packages <laughs> in the grocery store aisles. Uh, there was no McDonald's and extra value meals on every corner. They did not eat fair food in July or gather four <laughs> times, right, in two days over Christmas. And there weren't 
you get leftovers. There were no leftovers. No. no, you didn't eat leftovers for five days. They hunted their food. They ate plants and berries. At times, they gorged themselves in one sitting after one big kill. And then they spent 10, 12, 13, 14 days finding their next meal. And it wasn't a problem. And so you're saying, well, how could that not be a problem? I can't even imagine that. Well, no, not where we're at now based on our our, our diet. Our diet now right. is a nightmare. So mm-hmm. they were fat adapted. Remember that? They were fat adapted. They enjoyed metabolic flexibility. They operated on ketones. Fat was the primary source of fuel. Right, to you real quick, um, a, a couple things. So one, maybe we touch again real quick on fat adapted. So all right, let me touch on on fat uh, adaptation real quick uh, again. Uh, and like you know, we always talk about how we want to make sure that that we touch on these things more than once every show. So what fat adaptation is, is it's a long-term metabolic adjustment. Okay. And it's our ability to burn fat as fuel instead of carbohydrates. So it's when our body is now able to convert to, to stored fat burning for our primary source of energy burning rather than glucose and glycogen stores in the muscle. And, and our body is able to do so efficiently over long periods of time. So is it, is it to say that it's, it's, it's gotten used to using fat? Is that what, like if you're fat adapted, your body, your body knows to use fat as energy to start converting into ketones? You could, you could actually say it that way. You can say it that way. That that's okay. that's not um, you're not wrong in saying that it, it's, it's that your body has gone through the process so it knows to switch it's well now now we're talking about metabolic flexibility flexibility okay i see what you're saying so basically the to be fat adapted your body knows how to convert fat into ketones but metabolic flexibility means your body knows okay so we have glucose we're going to use glucose glucose is gone it now knows to flip over to fat burning mode right and flip back to glucose. It gets proficient at doing that because it does it so much. Right. It becomes useless. Is that it beca- right? It, That's accurate? Yeah. It, it allows people to go days without eating and feel fine is what metabolic flexibility does. Right. Um, because you'll go right in the fat burning mode. So exactly. Totally fine. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. And then when you eat, it knows to take the food that you're eating and right. burn it as energy. When right. you have depleted that glucose and glycogen stores within the muscle right and the, the liver and, you, and it turns it into fat and then it mm-hmm. burns the fat as energy as well. Right. So it doesn't just burn one and store the other. It burns on both ends. On both ends. So metabolic is sort of like a switch. Right? Yeah. And it, sure. it's like an automatic switch. Right. It, 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 your body will go from burning glucose. And as soon as that's gone, flip, here comes the fat for energy. So, yeah. So, I mean, and I'll right. point this out real quick. Scientists will refer to it as uh, the, both of these fuel burning processes as fat oxidation and in the other one as glucose oxidation. Yeah, so, okay. so that's basically uh, what that is. And these people were, you know, we're talking pre-industrial times. Right. All right. And when you talk about pre-industrial times, we're kind of talking about what we were just talking about a minute ago. And in that moment, we didn't have all that other stuff, those processed foods and, and fast food restaurants and, and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. And so metabolic flexibility was just a norm. It was just natural. Right. If that makes sense. No. Yeah. So, uh, 
uh, did that answer the question as far as metabolic flexibility? Oh, yeah, I, th- I think we covered it. Because, I, I, yeah, I was asking about fat adaptation, but my next question was about metabolic flexibility. So that's, yeah. I so think I, that's, uh, two birds with one stone? Is that what that's happened? That's it. There? Okay. That's what happened. Right. There. So, <laughs> I mean, you know, introducing this particular eating lifestyle, meaning uh, the ketogenic diet, uh, I want to explain one thing. Let me let me first explain. This is important, uh, and maybe we're we're backing up again to what we were just talking about. But I want to explain how fat is converted into ketones. Uh, so I want to do this. I'm going to try and do this without strict definition. Um, you know, when you ask what are ketones, mm-hmm. so some people have heard that word mentioned a few times now, and I don't know that we really said what they are. So basically, what ketones are, folks, they're they're indicators that our body is burning fat rather than glucose as its primary source of energy. That's how you know your body is burning fat as its primary source of energy when you have ketones. And there's so many different ways to measure. Yeah, there's, I was just going to say, you may want to point out, there's like various tests from urine strips to blood to breath tests. Yes. There's different ways that you could figure that out. Right. Sure. Yeah. So, so there's two things are evident then, right? One, we have depleted our glucose and glycogen stores, right? As far as mm-hmm. as far as within the muscle, within the liver, um, right. and so on and so forth within the cell, and and two, our insulin levels are definitely very low. Now, your glycogen stores and glucose stores are depleted in the liver, the muscles, and the fat cells. Mm-hmm. Insulin levels are low. Your body is releasing fat from the fat cells and now using it as its number one source of energy okay it's number one energy source now you will you'll be looking for a hero here okay and i'm going to explain why you're going to be looking for a hero your body's going to be looking for a hero because although your body cells can use fat as energy listen to what i'm saying here your brain cannot so when you get to that point where fat has become your primary source of energy your body cells begin to burn that and use that for everyday functioning, right? But right. your brain cannot just use that. Your brain operates off of glucose and it operates of, off of one other thing. Now, well, who, who's the hero going to be here is what your body's looking for. And then your body figures it out. It's your liver. Your liver becomes the hero. Now here, I'm going to explain why. The blood carries those fat cells now released into the liver where they are turned into ketones in a process known as ketogenesis. All right. And now we are going into science land, which we don't like to do. We're trying to stay away Mm -hmm. from it, but sometimes we have to. Here's the bottom line. All right. That is the basics on ketone production from fat and how the liver creates this process to allow the brain to operate at high levels through this process. Pretty neat. If you ask me, uh, yeah, absolutely. And, right, so again, folks, once you are a, a fat burning, a stored fat burning machine and your cells are able to burn that fat, your brain cannot function in that way. So your liver has to step in when your liver steps in, it helps the brain. Okay. In terms of forming ketones, therefore a process called ketogenesis so that the brain can operate on ketones. And in so many ways, in so many ways, ketones are better for brain function than glucose. And plenty more where that came from in our next show. Yeah, absolutely. And also, it's, it's, it's a good thing to remember that, you know, how the liver processes the fat and makes it and turns uh, the fat 
cells into ketones. Um, there's a word that we've used in the past, and it's a sciencey science word that I'm going to give now, and I'm going to talk about it more later. Uh, we've talked about it, though, is uh, gluconeogenesis. Uh-huh. Um, those two processes where the liver's making ketones and the idea that proteins can be made into glucose. Just bear that in mind because that is something, a point that I'm going to drive home next week. Uh, remember, both of these things are taking place at the same time. And it's very important, uh, especially for my, my, my folks that are um, is insulin resistant. It's a very important uh, uh, reason why keto is something you want to definitely talk to your endocrinologist about before ever attempting it. Mm. Um, but that aside, I guess it's probably time to sum this things up. Sure. Um, first, there's a right way and a wrong way to both start and end your fast. Your last meal before a fast should be low carb and high protein and fat, while the meal you break a fast with should be mostly carbs and protein. Try to schedule your workouts near the end of your fast as well in order to reap the greatest rewards that come from fat burning. When it comes to the ketogenic diet, it's not as new as most people think. In the world of medicine, it was used as a way to treat epilepsy in children in the 1920s. However, in today's society, it's used more as a way to get healthy, but is unfortunately overmarketed as a next quick fix remedy. But for hundreds of years before then, our ancestors depended on their bodies to go into ketosis naturally, as they didn't eat large meals for many days due to the lack of food and the inability to keep it fresh. Last, it's important to remember, it's your liver that processes fat from your fat cells and turns them into ketones for the brain and cells to use as energy. And that's today's show in a nutshell. Now, let's talk about next week. We're going to take a deeper dive into keto and discuss how it's done, a few of its variations, as well as what it is and isn't, regardless of what you've been told to think. Keep an open mind next week, but make sure to listen. And why? Tony, tell them. Oh, because the opening segment's going to be fantastic. We're going to be talking about a 70s rock band and, uh, oh, oh, wait a minute. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be the most important show yet. The most important show yet. So until then, I want to remind all of you, be sure to give us a review on your favorite podcast service. Also, if you have any questions, comments, thoughts, or opinions, you can leave us a voice message via the link in the episode's description. And finally, remember to join us each week as we release new episodes every Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Now, on behalf of Coach Tony and myself, thanks for listening. Hey, uh, Joe. Huh? We are doing the 70s and 80s rock band thing, right? Uh, are we? I, I think we are. <laughs> yeah, we, we should be. Oh, uh, be the best you, everybody. Yeah, we're definitely going to do this. We got to talk yeah. about this. <laughs> be the best you, everybody. I got this all set up already. We got to get All right. All right I got to go.